Well, I guess my story starts many, many moons ago when I was a young teenager at church camp. One day, a missionary woman came, and she didn't preach, but she actually sang her message. And while she sang, she signed. I had never seen sign language used before, and there was just something about it that just captivated my heart. Fast forward quite a few years in my life. One day as I was praying, I recaptured in my mind the, the experience that I'd had in chapel that morning. And it's just as though the Lord spoke to my heart and saying, I want you to prepare for this. So I prepared myself probably five years before I ever really stepped out into using it. But about the time I got involved in working for the deaf in public schools, part of the deaf ministry in our church, I began to have hands and wrists that hurt so badly when I would come home. Tendinitis was, was the diagnosis. For months, I was just in agony with my wrist. But it came to a point where I felt like I either had to give up my work with deaf students at school or give up my role in deaf ministry at church. So it just seemed as though I had hit a wall and the pain was not going away. And so I really felt like I'd come to the end of my ropes and I, and I needed a touch from God. So one day when I was at Aglow, Women's Aglow Fellowship, I asked them to pray for me and they anointed my wrist with oil and prayed that day. And I'll never forget the feeling of like a bucket of warm oil had just flowed through my body. I just knew something had happened. There had been a difference. And it wasn't before long the pain was gone, completely gone. I didn't have to take the medications. I didn't have to wear the splints. I didn't have to use the warm compresses. I could just do what I really feel God had called me to do back when I was just 15 years old. That was a long time ago. That was back in the 80s, and here it is now, 2019. And I find myself having been able to interpret for over 25 years in the church and worked in public schools for 16. And I think back to that time when I really struggled that year when I first stepped out into ministry and out into teaching and interpreting. What if I had given up at that time? But God had called me, and He was faithful to heal me. And at the time, I often wondered, was the enemy trying to stop my ministry from going forward? Because I really had no idea this would really become my life's work. God called me to it. He's healed me. And I'm going to continue to serve Him as long as I can. So I'm just so thankful that at my age, I'm still remembered by the Lord and he's still using the gift of my hands and wrists that he healed. Wasn't there by the shore? 
What a way to start the service. We're just getting started here. It's exciting to see Luetta come up here and do this. And as we show these videos, it's fun to, and not just fun, but it's exciting and it builds an excitement within us to see people within our own community here. Because many times I think the misconception with miracles is that, well, that happens somewhere else, there, somewhere, to someone else, somewhere else, not around here. And to see that God, not only has been working, an example today of Loretta, but is continuing to work. Oh, my goodness. I got jitters. I'm not excited to go here. All right. That could be the coffee, too. But no, I think it's God. All right. But I'm excited uh, to be here today to kind of speak to you guys and continue. And when Pastor Nicole said, hey, would you like to be a part uh, in, of the Miracle Series? I was like, oh, yes, I'm ready. I'm like, and so I'm excited to speak to you this morning and to continue as we go through this series uh, about miracles. Because as we've been talking about it, a miracle and kind of this definition that we've been using is that a miracle is an unusual manifestation of God's power designed to accomplish a specific purpose. And for the past several weeks, Pastor Nicole has been talking, and she's been going and working through the book of John, and we're going to continue with that today. And we started off with the story of the uh, water turning to wine. And then we talked about the last week, the father begging and crying out for his child to be saved and being healed. And now this week, as we continue, as you can see, it's titled, Pick Up Your Mat. And we're looking at the story of the man there at the pool of Bethesda. And this series has been interesting because we also attached a challenge to it. Yes, many of you guys probably know what we're talking about. So we attached a challenge to this that we wanted to say, if we believe that God moves in miracles and that it's not just for us, but for everyone, then we should be inviting others to hear about the good news too. And so we challenged you to take that to heart. We challenged saying, hey, who needs a miracle? Who do you know that needs a miracle? Who do you know that needs a touch from God? Who do you know that maybe is heartbroken? Not just physically, but this could be a miracle in many different areas. Or just who do you want to invite to church? And we asked you to bring them. And so if you're new today, and maybe this is your first time and you were inviting, don't think like you were bamboozled. Don't think like you like, were like tricked into being here. Uh, no, you should feel honored because someone loves you enough and someone cares about you enough that they said, you know what, I want them to be here. I want that person, that's what God's putting on my heart, I want them to be at Erie First to hear what God can do. I think he can do something great. So maybe that means that you just need to realize today that you are loved so much, not by just your friend, but by God, and that your friend and family, God put you on their heart because he knows your name. And he has his eye on you, and he's never forgetting you. So maybe that's just the start today. But we're going to continue as we look at this. I have to be careful. I mean, I think my reputation is getting out there because of the fact that the media people came to me and said, so what do we expect today? I mean, how many cameras are we going to need? I, I, I don't know if I pace or I move too much or something, but I'll stand like this for now, okay? I'll, I'll try and be good. No. But we're going to be starting off in John chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles or we'll have it up on the screen here, we're going to be starting off in John chapter 5, looking at this story of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And so I'm going to read it this morning here. Now, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades or porches. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. 
When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And on that day that it took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who had made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? And the man who had was healed said he had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. But later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again, so stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. This morning, we're going to kind of break this down. I have to say, one of my favorite, uh, I guess, ways to preach is to break down the Scripture verse by verse. Because, I mean, we could be here a long time. I'm not insinuating that we will be. I'm just saying we could be. If we broke it down and really looked at everything that Christ has this for us in this Scripture this morning. But let's go back. And we start looking at this, and it sets a background. If we were going to write a story, we need to have the setting, the background for our story to take place. And it says there that after this, and we realize that after this means after this. And so we looked at, we've already been talking and leading up to the, the miracles that Christ had done before this. But Jesus came to Jerusalem to this spot. And yes, my years of kids ministry and working with children has made me bring props, okay? So... And if you see sweat stains on there, that's for me and my push-ups. Um, so not yoga, all right? But, and so we look back here, and we find our setting, okay? We find our setting here is that Jesus comes to Jerusalem for this feast, for this uh, great celebration that they have, and he goes to the temple, and that there's this pool or this area that has five porches or five colonnades is what they call it. And in this area, they have a multitude, or sometimes scriptures say a great number or a great multitude. Either way, there's a lot of people hanging out here. And they're categorized as invalids, as paralyzed, as lame or blind, or kind of along this list, they have varieties of ailments or issues. And they're all there for the chance to be healed. They're all there for the chance to be healed because if you read the scripture, there's actually in some manuscripts, there's a verse that has been taken out, but it's in some and it's not in others because as they're looking back through scripture and finding more, they see this verse and it says this, that paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters because from time to time an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters and the first one into the pool after each disturbance would be cured of whatever disease that they had. You see, this area, this pool, this place was recognized as a place of healing. It was recognized as a place of healing. I can just imagine the dynamics of this place. Because here you have this place where people are coming and they're setting up shop, right? 
Because they have this hope. They have this hope that, you know what? I'm going to wait till that exact moment when the Lord stirs the water and it's going to be my time. It's, you know, almost like playing the lottery. I'm not suggesting, but it's like that kind of, I mean, it might be my chance. It might be my time. Or I might, you know, but, you know, it could happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. So guess what? I'm going to set up shop right there so I can quickly get into it. All right. And there's this beacon of hope. But in this place, as you can imagine, as we learn, the great multitude of people here, there's also a probably a sense of disappointment of people who have been sitting there and have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And so this dynamic that we see, not only is there this great sense of hope, but there's this great sense of disappointment. And you see, when there's something that is bothering us, I mean, I don't know how many of you guys can relate to this. I mean, even within the church or an area, Many times when there's something that's bothering us, how many of us try and find someone else that it's the same issue or something that, that's bothering them too? And we try to congregate. We try to, it's almost our human nature to seek out, to congregate with those who feel the same, who have the same issues in life, whether physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. We find ourselves surrounding ourselves with them because, you know, sometimes it makes us feel better, right? Sometimes we think that that will encourage us and that's what we see here at the pool, that they find themselves sitting there congregating, saying, you know what, let's all get ready. But it creates this hopeless mentality within the hope because they're all waiting for the same thing and just waiting. And here at these pools, the place that, here at these pools where they place their hope, it's also a place where I'm sure woes and complaining fester. Woes and complaining begin to fester. But that's where Jesus goes. And he goes there and sees a man. And it's interesting because as we look at this, and even as we talk about it, as we look, we can really grasp onto this one saying that Jesus sees a man. You see it there in the, in the scripture that it said that Jesus saw him lying there. It wasn't like there was this, just one person. Within the great multitude, he saw this man. And I, I often when I was reading this and I began studying it, you wonder what was it about this man that made him catch Jesus' eye? Was it maybe he was, I'm trying to think, like, was it his location in relativity to the pool? Was Jesus going, oh my goodness, look at that guy. He's right next to the pool. He's probably next. Or was it maybe the opposite? Maybe it was the fact that he was the furthest from the pool in his location, where he was sitting. Maybe it was his illness. Maybe it was a sickness. Maybe something about the man's condition that when he looked at him, it caught Jesus' eye. Or maybe it was the fact that this man was all alone, older, and was sitting, and he could tell almost that he was sitting in the same spot, and then what the Bible says, that same condition for the past 38 years. I mean, could you imagine could you just imagine laying there? I'm not going to fall asleep, I promise, all right? 38 years, almost four decades, and you're laying there and you're sitting there. And you can see the spot of your healing. You can see the spot that you say is going to give you hope, but it's out of grasp. You can't quite get to it, but you're sitting there and you time and time again, as you lay there and as you wait, you think, if only I could get to it. You're wondering, I mean, I think, I mean, could that man not move at all? Because 38 years of this, um, I, I'm thinking I'm going to be pretty close, right? 
38 years, and he lays there. And we find ourselves thinking about the fact, how much hope did he lose in that moment? of laying there, seeing others. And today, I want to encourage you because I think as much as this was his physical state, how many of us find ourselves in a similar pattern where we might be in what we would say, or as the Bible says here, in your same condition for a long time. And we've been stuck in there, and we can see other people getting their miracles. We can see other people getting what they prayed for. And we can sit there and say, God, why, what's going on? And it begins to have a struggle of a hope within us. So maybe we surround ourselves with people who maybe struggle the same way, who identify the same way, with the same thoughts, or encourage us, you know, but yet, even with the encouragement in our spot, we find ourselves no closer to the hope and no closer to the water than we were four decades prior. I mean, some of us could say and relate to this because maybe you've been attending church for 40 years and struggling with the same thing today that you were before. But there's good news today. That small little sense that Jesus saw the man. Jesus saw the man. And when Jesus saw the man in the position, in the location he was, he said, oh, listen to this. I want to encourage you with this because Jesus saw the man in the position, and it doesn't matter how long you've been in that condition or how far from hope you are feeling. The fact is that there's new hope and new power when God's presence comes and he sees you. You see, we don't know the exact reason. It doesn't tell us the exact reason why this man caught Jesus' eye, but we know that he did, and he came and asked him such a simple and direct question. Do you want to be made well? I mean, that question right there, it, I mean, it seems so basic, so simple. I mean, it almost seems cruel. How many of you guys could almost read this and think it, it seems kind of cruel? You know, I mean, I haven't been a pastor for very long, but as I'm learning about it, I mean, I don't know if I would walk into a hospital and shout, hey, who wants to be well? Because I think some people might get kind of offended. They might be like, who does this guy think he is? Like, like, no, I, I don't. I'd rather stay here. Um, no, it could seem kind of cruel. All right. Hashtag me and Jesus. But, you know, that's not what Jesus was doing. He wasn't mocking him. He wasn't making fun of him. All right? I mean, it's such a simple question. It, I, I kind of relate to It'd be like asking my four-year-old daughter, do you want a cookie? Right? Uh, yes. Yes, she does. I can answer that right now. Okay? I was going to put pregnant wife in there, but I decided that might not be right. Uh, <laughs> but, wait, I just did it anyway. Dang it. <laughs> but... I mean, it'd be like asking my four-year-old daughter if she wants to click. Or it'd be like asking if the Patriots were going to be in the Super Bowl. Of course. I mean, you're welcome. A Patriots fan gets the pulpit. I have to put it in there. I'm sorry. All right. But Jesus asked a simple question. But today, as we look at this, I think the simple question, do you want to be made well, it was very serious. We have to look at why he would ask this question. I think there's two reasons I kind of want to point out today. He had to ask the question, do you want to be made well? Because being made well brings or creates responsibility. 
Being made well creates a responsibility. Do you want the responsibility of being well? This man was 38 years in that condition. He could have been well older than that. We don't know if that condition was from birth or if it was something that came after birth, but we know that he was in that condition, in that place, at the pool for 38 years. 40 years in the same place, you get into a rut. 40 years in the same place, you get into kind of a in a understanding of what your life is. This man's life was only sustained by the begging and by the asking of help of others. So the question of do you want to be made whole or do you want to be healed would change every aspect of this man's life. Because now he's not confined to the mat. Now he wouldn't be confined to that spot. And all of a sudden, I don't think putting out a cup and asking for alms at that point is going to be nearly as profitable for him. It becomes a responsibility, or it could even be seen as a burden. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we are in the same spot. We say, God, I want this to happen. I want this healing. But God's like, do you realize the responsibility that if I give you that healing, if I give you that miracle that you're asking for, do you understand that you won't be able to stay the way you are? You won't be able to stay in the location or the position that you are in because when I give you healing, when I give you what you're looking for, you're going to have to change and your life is going to be something different. And so he's like, you're not going to be able to complain about it. And you got to grasp that gravity of the situation. You see that there is a lot. And we see this even later after we know the story. I read it before. He says yes, all right. He gets healed. And later Jesus comes to him and says, hey, you can't sin anymore. Sin no more. Change your, stop sinning. You're so even seeing this, Jesus reiterates this by saying, you now live to a different standard. Go and be. The same thing with the woman caught in adultery at the well. He didn't just say, hey, good, you, you know, I forgive your sin, you're set. But he said, no, sin no more. Your responsibility of what you've been given has changed your current state. Do you want to be well? The second thing is the well, the, the word in Greek here, if we look at it, it actually is hugiace, hugiace. It means to make whole. See, being made well is to be made whole. He was asking the man, not only are you ready to be physically made well, but are you accepting the fact that you are not complete, that you do not have it all, and that you need to be made whole, and that there has to be someone or something else in the picture here to make you whole. So Jesus came and asked that question. And the man's response here reminds us, I think, if anyone has kids, of something that we've heard before, an excuse, right? And if you haven't had kids I'm sure you still have heard it other places. Verse 7 says this, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Their first response from this man is to complain about his state and where others are. I mean, this guy, as he sits there for three, you would think that it would almost in our mind, we would think I would probably be like, yes. Yes, like before the question was even, yes. Yes, I would like to be made well. But you see, how many times have he given this reasoning? How many times do you think he's been sitting there and people have asked, you know, why are you still here? He's probably has this canned and almost as a habit. God, you know, Jesus says this and he goes, well, you see, I don't have anyone to get me into the well. 
I don't have anyone to get me down to the pool and everything like that. It's someone else's fault. And for many of us this morning, as we bring this into our life for the issues that we have, for the healing that we need, whether spiritually, physically, I'm sure that many of us might have a canned reason or example of why we haven't gotten it. And when Jesus says this, for many of us, he asks us the question, do you want to be made well? But our response is, well, I've, I've suffered with this for so long. And Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And you see, well, I, I come from a long line of alcoholics. It's in my blood. No, do you want to be made well? Well, the doctors, they told me that I was terminal. No, do you want to be made well? No, you see, here's the thing, that I've been hurt. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know my past. No, the question this morning is, do you want to be made well? I'm sorry. I'm, I had too much coffee this morning or too much Jesus. But here's the thing, is that so many times when we hear that question, we also come back to this issue or this condition, it defines me. And again, going back to if I become well, if I become whole, I have to leave what I know. I have to leave what I'm comfortable with. You see, this man surrounded him and maybe mixed himself into a crowd of people who defined by their issues and their ailments. People who were left to find their own way into the water or left to get their healing. But here today, church, if we are believing that this church and church and Christ is a beacon of hope, just like this well was for them, this pool was, then we have to realize that the hope, not just being here gives you that hope, but finding our identity and our hope in Jesus is where we find our hope. Because we can find ourselves hopeless in a beacon of hope if we're not looking and getting identified in the right area. You see, this man saw his only hope as getting to the water. In 38 years, I'm sure that was beginning to fade, if not already faded. I'm sure that after 38 years, I mean, I still... I'm. I'm pretty young, okay? And so I still struggle with the ideas. You read scripture of like this patience. I mean, Joseph, you read his story and the patience that he had to have. I mean, when you start reading things, and because they're usually short verses, right? You know, and the answer to prayer came four years later. And you're like, four years later? God, my prayer was four hours. My prayer was, but we can relate the fact that when is that coming? And you see this man, his hope was I begin probably faded or beginning to fade because he was looking for only one source of supernatural, but only seeing his natural position. Well, today I want you to know Jesus is the bridge that spans the gap from the natural to the supernatural. Jesus is this bridge that bridges from the natural to the supernatural because we can find ourselves laying here and complaining for a long, long time. And here, this man, again, when asked, do you want to get well? He only saw the fact that the supernatural was a distance away. And he was no closer. Back in the Old Testament, we even see that this kind of, this bridge, this, a picture of this bridge. And in the temple, there was separate sections. And God's presence and things, they were kind of separated. But when Jesus died, what happened? The curtain was ripped. 
And here, as we see this, there begins that you can see the separation between the supernatural and the natural. But when Jesus came into this man's life and into our lives, we see that he went, he didn't go to the pool and find the guy close enough and said, hey, let me help you in. No, he went and found the man maybe farthest away and said, let me help you because you don't need that supernatural. What you need is right here. And he went to him. You see, we, Jesus is the bridge from the natural to the supernatural. But we can make excuses. This past year, I felt in the summer leading up to the school year, if you don't know, I'm, I'm the head of school here for the Christian school year first, and I felt like God told me that the school year was going to be kind of, one of the things was that it was going to be a school of healing. And that's not something I particularly have functioned with for many years, okay? So it's new to me, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to believe you for that. And so my one, you know, what Pastor Nicole spoke about before was my sweat equity, all right? Not just believing that people are going to walk in and be like, woo, I'm healed, but that I was going to have to do something here, was that I made the commitment that, God, you know what? Any person who comes in sick or hurt, I'm going to pray for them. We'll see. Well, you, you take it from there, Jesus, okay? All right? Well, you know what? He tested that, okay, like he does. And I'd say two days after I said, I will pray for anyone, uh, I had a parent coming who had uh, comments of negative, uh, they were complaining, all right? And uh, they came to my office, and so again, two days in, and I just said, God, I'm going to pray for anyone. And so I'm very professional, and like they're sitting there, and they walk into the office with a cane and limping. And I'm like, oh, dear goodness, come on. So we have our meeting, we talk, we resolve things, things are good. And before the man gets up to leave, I say, hey, you know what? I know I don't know you very well, but can I pray for your knee? I did. And that was just the start of it. Then other people came in and we prayed for them. We prayed for people in my office. And I can tell you, it's been one of the best things because, you know, have we had these huge, maybe supernatural, you know what? God's been moving. We had someone come in. They had just put out a missing person because their grandfather had been missing for 10 hours. We prayed right there in the office saying, you know what? Let's pray right now. Before they left the office, they got a text saying grandpa was found. We had kids. Yeah, God's moving. We had kids who come in with their upset stomachs. And we said, you know what? Any kid who sits on that that sick bed, we're going to pray for them. And we do that. And we begin to see God move. But I can tell you, there is a lot of area for excuses to take over. There's a lot of areas where we can let excuses hold us back. But we got to move forward. And we can't make excuses. You see, Jesus didn't look at this man. This is the best. He didn't look at the man. And after the man's response of, I don't got anyone to help me into the water. He doesn't look at him. Do you know who I am? He doesn't look at him and kind of make him feel belittled. He doesn't look at him and say, hey, if you only knew, then you would be like, would you like to be healed? And you would have been like, yes, sir, I would like to be healed. All right. He doesn't mock him. He, doesn't, he just simply looks at him and continues on. So let's read this. Let's get to the juicy stuff here. Verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. You see here this morning, as we look at this and as we see the significance behind this, many times we find ourselves saying, I haven't received my healing yet because I, don't have enough, I must not have enough faith. 
I haven't received this healing yet, or I'm struggling with this because of this. And here's the thing. This man did probably didn't have any faith because he had no idea who Jesus was or who he's talking to. But God said, and God moved, and Jesus moved in this moment and reached out and brought the supernatural to his condition and told him, pick up your mat and walk. You see, I don't know what your mat is today. The mat was a representation of this man's condition. It was a representation of this man's condition at the place that he had been in. And even when we see here in the story, when there was something miraculous that happened, we could see that there are going to be haters. People who are going to make you doubt. People who are going to make you, the Jewish leaders, they came here. They tried to make, they're either going to try to make them feel guilty or question what God had done. God doesn't want everyone to get that, does he? Or you cannot talk about your healing because that might offend others who haven't received it yet. Or be careful giving them hope. The doctors haven't given them any. You see, God comes from the supernatural to the natural to restore, to bring you. And the Jewish leaders were stuck looking at the blemish of the man rather than the glory of the man who did the healing. They were stuck looking at that, and they were focused on the mat, not the man. You see, we could get into the whole discussion of Sabbath days and why they were so upset about that and how the difference between man's law and God's law. But the fact is this, is that God works every day, all day, 24-7. And so today, as we conclude, we're going to go into a time here. We're going to go back into one of those songs. and But I have... A simple question to ask you. Do you want to be made well? Have you been in a condition spiritually, physically, emotionally, or something that maybe has defined you for years and that you have been looking for healing for a long time? Maybe you're here today, first time in church, and, or maybe you've been in church for 48 years, and you said, you know what, I came here because I thought this was a place of hope, but yet I still haven't found it yet. And you realize that fact that we have to ask that question of do we want to be made well? Do we want the responsibility, the cleansiness, the wholeness? Then today I want to tell you it could be today. In a second here, we're going to have teams at the front here, over here at the feet of the cross, at the, at the side over here. We're going to have some team members up here who want to pray for you. And maybe you're saying, you know what, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. I don't know. I was invited by a friend, and I'm not sure what I believe. But you know what? I want to try and reach out for hope this morning. Then I encourage you in a second here where the song's playing, I'm going to ask you to come. Or maybe, maybe today, like this man, you have had a miracle and a supernatural encounter, but since that time, you have run into Jewish leaders. You have run into people who have maybe discouraged you or maybe people who have made you doubt that miracle. You see, I feel, and I, as we can tell from the videos, we have sitting in a room full of miracles. If my brother was here today, he would be a miracle. I don't have time to go into the whole story, but the fact is this, that my brother, when he was at the age of seven on a hike, a family hike that we always would take, he slipped and fell off a 30-foot waterfall. At that point, my parents couldn't see the bottom and couldn't get down. They had to go and hike around. And there at that point, they found him sitting in a pool only probably two foot by two foot wide and two foot deep. 
At that point, other hikers had already notified the park authorities and a helicopter chopper was on the way. But here's the thing, this is not a miracle of modern medicine. My brother stood up and was upset because his pants were wet. He fell 30 feet. It's at a place that's known, if you know Watkins Glen, Pennsylvania State Park, known for its waterfalls. And when they got to the ranger station, the ranger said no one has ever walked away from a fall at that waterfall, that specific one. You see, I'm sure that's just one story, and he's now 30 years old. And here I'm sure it's just one story, but in this room, I'm sure many of us have had miracles happen, but yet we begin to downplay them, or we begin to doubt them. And here's the thing, is maybe today we need to begin to, again, declare and live out the fact that we are miracles, or maybe it's just the fact that God saving you was the biggest miracle, and begin to tell the good news again, to release it. You see, we need to experience the love of God, but then give it away. To experience the love of God and give it away. So this morning, again, the band is gonna play. This is a move and we're gonna worship together. And I'm gonna ask if you need a move, if you need, I'm gonna step out in faith here and believe that God is saying it today. So maybe it's physically, maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's uh, mentally, but here's the thing is I want you to make a move this morning. Find one of our prayer team up here. Come to the altar. If you don't feel comfortable sharing it quite yet, maybe just come down here and say, God, I'm ready to make a move on my part because God, as I move, you move. And James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your heart. So maybe the first step for you is you need to come up here and cleanse and say, God, I'm sorry, and purify your heart first. But then expect God to move. Expect God to come to show up this morning. And believe it. So as we pray here, as I pray, as I finish, the band will just go into it and then begin to move and go after what God has in store for your life. Let's pray. God, we just right now, we declare that we will pick up our mat and that we will walk, God. When you ask us the question of do we want to be well, Lord God, I pray that this morning our response would not be excuse or it would not be the reason of why we haven't received it yet. But God, this morning I pray in this place for a breakthrough, for a healing for people. I pray, God, that in this moment, God, we would just say, yes, King of kings and Lord of lords, I receive my healing. And so, God, this morning, as you move, I pray that we will then see more testimonies, that for the next year, God, we would have enough miracles to have miracle videos. So, God, I pray this morning that it would be beyond our faith, beyond our expectation, that, God, you would move. So, God, we come into your presence now, expecting you to move. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us worship. And if you guys want that expectation, come forward. Mountains are still being moved. Struggles are still being low. God, we believe. Yes, we can see it. Wonders are still what you do. Let's sing that again. Mountains. Mountains are still being
miracles happen. Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming. This is the back over to Pastor Daniel to pray us out. Every single person in this room needs a move in some capacity. There's something in your life that you need to move. So wherever you are, I want to find someone next to you. And just put your hand on them. The scripture talks about the laying on of hands and the power that is in that. Just find somebody. Put your hand on someone. Let someone put their hand on you. And let's just pray for these moves of God, these micro moves and macro moves. God is awesome because he doesn't just care about the big things, but because he cares about the little things. So Pastor Daniel is going to pray. We're going to pray for these moves to happen in this room and outside of this room and in this city and in these lives. God, we just thank you this morning. We just come, God, expecting this morning, not just expecting maybe what we've always expected, but God, we're expecting you to move in a greater and mightier way than ever before in our lives. 
God, I pray right now for any of the circumstances, any of the issues, any of the things that we may have related to, God, this morning. I pray that you would just move right now, God, in a mighty way. God, that anxiety, depression, that physical needs, that emotional family relationships this morning, God, would be restored in this moment. God, I pray that we would not stay where we are at, but we would pick up our mat and walk, God. And I pray that you would just continue to do that. God, I pray for anyone in this room who maybe is struggling with a lack of hopelessness because they've been in that condition for a long time. God, I pray right now, give them hope. Give them someone to give them hope, God, this morning. God, we thank you for how you are on the move and how you are continuing to move, God, this morning. And we just declare right now, God, we are well. And I pray, God, that we would fully grasp the mystery of Christ in us as we go throughout this week. God, you are so good. And we love you. We declare your name this morning. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen.